guys, Derek here from Bomb Socks, and welcome to the Bomb Bites podcast. Hey, if you're new to Bomb Bites, it's a service from our company, Bomb Socks, to help be a resource to use. You're studying along with the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So we're going to focus today on one verse of scripture in chapter 15, but it is a pretty powerful verse. You go to verse 29, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? You click on the word for, it says in behalf of or for the sake of. So as we know, this is a doctrine which is teaching about proxy baptism. Now what's interesting is this is in the New Testament. Christians everywhere read this verse. And you know how I love other versions of the scriptures, so I went to some of these, and there's not much difference. In fact, you go to the New International Version. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? Very much suggests there is proxy baptisms taking place. New Living Translation. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? English Standard Version. We can do tons of these, but just the last one here. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? So this suggests that the doctrine of proxy baptism took place long ago. And yet what's interesting, this is very exclusive to our church. To my knowledge, I don't know of any other churches that are teaching the importance of proxy baptism. But this is something Something that was introduced back in 1840 to our church. In fact, I've had the privilege to do some church history workshops with other seminary teachers and to be able to direct those. Now, one of my favorite stories, when this doctrine was introduced by Joseph Smith in 1840, it was done here at the funeral service of this gentleman right here. His name is Seymour Brunson. And I've had opportunities and privileges to be able to teach about Seymour Brunson right here. It's in Nauvoo, Illinois, by his tombstone to groups of seminary and institute teachers and others. As you can see, it says, at his funeral on August 15, 1840, the prophet Joseph Smith publicly introduced the doctrine of baptism for the dead. And then right there on his tombstone, it's got 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. Now, we don't know a ton about Seymour Brunson. We know that he was part of the Nauvoo High Council there. We know that he was a bodyguard to Joseph Smith, very faithful man. But at his funeral, this is where Joseph introduced, or I should say maybe restored, the doctrine of baptism for the dead. Now, one of the coolest stories with this is there's a woman at Seymour Brunson's funeral. Her name is Jane Nyman. Jane and her husband, William, had just moved to Nauvoo in 1840. And just a few months later, William passed away. And they also had a son named Cyrus who had passed away before this. And so Jane had lost her husband. She had lost her son. So she very much was grieving. And so to be able to hear this doctrine of baptism for the dead had to be just good news for her soul. Kind of like what we talked about yesterday. It provided her hope and it provided her perspective. So one writer about this story told this, and I thought this was so cool. At first, emphasizing the power of Christ to transcend death, Joseph changed the course when he saw the bereft Jane Nyman in the audience. Salvation for Brunson, an adult who had been baptized in the faith, seemed assured. But what about those who didn't have a chance to receive God's required ordinance? What about Nyman's son Cyrus, who had died before hearing the gospel? Joseph shocked observers by drawing from Paul's letter to the Corinthians to preach that the saints, quote, could act for their 
their friends who had departed this life. Valet Kimball, this Heber C. Kimball's wife in the audience, wrote to her husband Heber that despite the somberness at the funeral, the day was joyful because of the light and glory that Joseph set forth. I can truly say that my soul was lifted up. The doctrine of vicarious baptisms was restored. Now here's what's so cool about this. Hearing the doctrine is one thing, acting on it is another. Joseph provided the former, but Jane Nyman, this faithful woman, was ready to move on the latter. A few weeks later, on September 12th, she requested a family friend, Harvey Olmsted, to baptize her on behalf of her deceased son and another fellow saint, Vienna Jacques. She's awesome to read about in the Doctrine and Covenants. To act as witness, the horse that Vienna was on was the second witness. They marched down to the Mississippi River to perform the ritual in order to properly observe the baptism and hear what the ceremony would be. Vienna rode her horse into the water. Olmsted was tasked to come up with proper wording and he merely appropriated the words used for the faith's traditional baptism and unorthodox ordinance was completed. Well, Joseph Smith didn't even know about the circumstances until later and when he was filled in with details, he merely replied that Father Olmsted had it right and he wept at the faith of the group. Soon hundreds of others participated in the ordinance. Valet Kimball wrote that since this order had been preached here, the waters have been continually troubled. The floodgates were now open. And in 1841, 6,800-plus baptisms for the dead were performed. And now, considering that proxy baptisms did not take place in the Nauvoo Temple until later in 1841, most of these were river baptisms right there. And so again, these people, I think, were just acting on the amount of light and knowledge they had. And as Joseph introduced this to them, they were moving forward with this. And they were moving forward with faith. So I love this right here. Now, the cool thing about this is you think today, who are doing probably almost exclusively all the baptisms for the dead, you have got the youth of the church, which I think is so awesome, performing these proxy baptisms for others who did not get an opportunity to do this for themselves. In fact, just this last week, my wife and I had the opportunity of going up to the Bountiful Utah Temple with three of our sons and be able to have them perform this work for those who had passed on. And it was fun to be able to have my sons do the baptizing. One of them baptized my wife and I was able to go in and do the confirmations on those. And it is so cool to be able to do that, to know that we have the opportunity to be able to participate in this ordinance, which is awesome. And I love how this is brought up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm grateful for the restored doctrine of baptisms for the dead, that those on the other side have an opportunity to accept the gospel. What a wonderful blessing that is, and it's a testimony to me that God loves all of his children, and we have been tasked to be able to perform that work for the living and for the dead. That's what President Nelson has focused on, and I'm grateful that we have been given an opportunity to be able to participate in that. If you'd like to check out our video that goes with today's podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by simply searching Bomb Socks. That's B-O-M-S-O-C-K-S. And be sure to check out our amazingly comfortable gospel-themed socks at bombsocks.com. Thanks for listening, and hope you'll join us again for more episodes of Bomb Bites. Godspeed, and have a great day.